Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, uh, it's Joshy here, Manchester United fan, at Doc underscore Joshy on Twitter, and I do various things, writing podcasts like this and uh, YouTube stuff too. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore Jersey underscore Fitz. Terrific. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Uh, up first, we're going to talk about the Leicester situation. Uh, obviously, they hire Claude Poole to be their new manager. He's a familiar face, was at Southampton last season. Um, I, I think it's a pretty good signing. I saw a lot of people thinking that maybe Leicester would try to take a bigger swing uh, for their next manager. But I think what Puel has shown back in his time at Nice and Southampton is that he's good at structuring the defense, which considering Leicester's whole counterattacking style relies on being able to keep people from scoring, gaining the ball in your own third and then launching quickly. I think it's actually kind of a, a subtle but but very good signing. What did you guys make of that hire? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um, he, he did all right at Southampton. I mean, I know people, he had a fair amount of criticism, but Leicester, yeah, they did win the league <clears throat> two seasons ago, but they're, you know, that was an anomaly. They're not, they're not actually, you know, going to challenge us for the league, and they weren't last year either. And and that that's not really where they should be aiming. And I think he sits in that sort of group of managers that will make sure, like you say, the defense is good. And and in this case, he'll he'll probably maximize their their counter attacking threat. But it's it's pretty much a mid table type. Um, signing in a, in a good way i mean not in a like oh that's not ambitious but the thing is you know there's that sort of top six and then there's everyone mixing it up and mid table i think probably actually come is in that chunk after that really when you think about it because anyone else can sort of they can all sort of switch around so from that point of view i think it <clears throat> i think it's a good signing we'll see how it goes um or not signing but appointment um and i think for, for leicester that is it's where they're at and people probably shouldn't worry too much about the the style because the whole point is to pick up results right and so if he does that initially and he's done that with a win today then he can start working on the rest of it uh, <clears throat> and we saw that that's what Shakespeare did didn't he he, he got them back to their counter-attacking style of football and then they sort of they, they they managed to avoid relegation last year or quite comfortably and I think they'll continue to do that for, for the time being uh, yeah I think it's a good signing um Support Southampton. They he had an unfortunate combination of their underlying numbers were better than their actual numbers, so they had he had the unfortunate combination of underperforming those and playing well, being a bit boring, um, which apparently got the fans quite angry. Which that was more seemed well that from an outside point of view that seemed to be more of the reason he was sacked than anything else. So 
yeah, I think he's pretty. I think he's a pretty good manager. Leicester's ceiling was always going to be seventh. I don't think he changes that, and I think he probably ups their floor from uh, Shakespeare. So, and as far as like getting someone more ambitious, I think he's pretty good. I'm not sure who else they could have gotten that would have been this ambitious guy that's going to raise their ceiling or like their best possibilities. I, I don't know who that would be. So, I think Paul's absolutely fine. Yeah, I think um, some people were getting excited by, you know, names like Ancelotti or Tuchel. Well, and, uh, they're drunk. So, they are. Well, yeah. we had we had Jim on, and I mentioned Tuchel, and he was like, why do you think he'd come to Leicester? I was like, just the question, but fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, I, I do think... Uh, I they think had too hit... much for on Halloween weekend, just to allow it. <laughs> uh, I think you hit the nail on the head, Josh. I think uh, they're, they're, they are being very wise in not aiming to try to make another title run, but realizing that that was an amazing season and then reconsolidating as kind of like where Southampton were of we know we're not better than the top six but we know we're better than about 10 other teams um and then just stabilize and while uh I do agree that is with Dan that his style at Southampton is largely why why he was sacked I think the players they have at Leicester are inherently exciting I mean we saw Demarai Gray come on today Demari damn that guy I think it's Um, Demari I don't know and he had a terrific match after being kind of left on the sidelines by Shakespeare uh for the majority of his tenure brief though it was um and then you have Vardy you obviously still have Maros who played more centrally today but can obviously still pick out a pass. I think he has four assists in the last six or so games um, after kind of a slow start to the season. So I think this is, a, like I said, I think this is a really good one, and I'm glad you guys uh, agree with me there. Is that what we think the range of outcomes is, though, somewhere between 6th and 10th for them? I don't know what Leicester fans have been saying, actually. So it might be that all Leicester fans aren't happy about this, but from what I've seen, it's mainly sort of ex-footballers going, oh, why another Englishman misses out on a on a on a on a job big job or something? But it's it's not really a, a big job, is it? They did win the league that year, but that we all know that was an anomaly. They're not actually that isn't really where they sit these days. It's not like where at the beginning of the season everyone's going right. United, City, Tottenham, Leicester. You know they're not we're not they're not in that bracket. And it was just one of those freak seasons. And it was great. They deserve to win it, but that's not where they sit. They sit beyond sort of seventh down into the <clears throat> lower areas. And the thing is, if you don't have the right manager, you can get pulled into that area regardless of what your history is, regardless of how much you spend. And and that's, I mean, look at Everton. So I think it's a good appointment. It's not exciting. Like it's not like, like you say, a Tuchel or a, or an Ancelotti, but that's ridiculous, you know, so. We live in reality. Yeah, at least it wasn't David Moyes. Let's let's go that way. It could have been worse. Currently lurking around uh, Everton as we speak. Um, Yeah. (laughs) We've been talking about this Leicester managerial situation uh, for a while now, and and we have focused on that a lot more this season, I think just because a lot of managers seem to be kind of on the hot seat. But somebody that hasn't seemed to be yet uh, is Eddie Howe in Bournemouth, who we haven't really talked much about this season, but they are only in 19th right now. Um, after a really good season last season, last year, uh, they finished top 10, uh, had a lot of promising signs. Josh King obviously was kind of the, the talisman for them last season. They lose Nathan Ake because uh, Chelsea recall him. Then they buy him in the summer. They upgrade at goalkeeper, bringing in Begovic. Um, it seemed like everything was kind of pointing up trajectory-wise. Eddie Howe's young. The squad was young. seemed like it was going to push on. 
this year just really hasn't happened. Do we have any theories on why they've really dipped this year? Jermaine Defoe. I'm blaming it all on him. Uh, but in fairness, spending, what is it, 140K a week on a three-year contract for someone who's probably your third best striker really isn't the best use of transfer funds, especially when they have, like, um, they did re-sign Ake and they did upgrade Begovic, and the, the, Eddie Howe has done a great job of working with defenders who really shouldn't be good enough for Premier League the last couple of years, but that finally kind of falling apart wouldn't really surprise me, and it is only 10 games in, they could turn it around, but... I don't know. Their defenders aren't that good. That that showing true isn't that much of a shocker to me. Yeah, look, I think there's. Um, I don't. It's difficult, really, because there's no. On paper, you should. They should be sort of consolidating their their um, place in the league. But I think they just didn't do enough in the transfer window. I think a lot of other clubs went out and just so much money in the Premier League that teams have gone out and and bought a ton of. You know, good players. Look at Everton. I mean, OK, I know they're not doing well, but, you know, they've gone out and spent money. Other teams have gone out and spent money. And these guys have, I think, Nathan Aki, he was on loan and then into a permanent signing. But that's not really bolstering the squad. That's just keeping it the same. Begovic is a better keeper. Yeah, that's fine. But it really requires um, Josh King, really, to, to keep up his goal-scoring form. And he, he hasn't done. I mean, he scored for Norway. Um, a few times, and I think he's got a couple of goals for Bournemouth. But it's it's not it, you know when he was such a key figure last year, scoring all of those goals, and then suddenly you take that out of the side because he's out, off form or he's not getting the service or whatever it is, and then that that's a huge impact on the team. And again, Everton comparing to Everton again, look, they lost Lukaku, they haven't replaced those goals or even the way in which he played up top and. They're struggling. It's such a huge deal to make sure that you've got players who can put the ball back in the back of the net. Jermaine Defoe, yeah, good as good as he has been, kind of. I've never really rated him that highly, as highly as other people have done. Uh, but he does seem to get goals, but he's not necessarily doing it either. So unless your t- the way they approached the transfer market wasn't to massively, you know, improve the side, it was to they were kind of there was no like, oh, okay. Josh King, he may not hit that form again because let's be fair, he that was is that that's pretty much a an outlier of a season for him from his career as far as I can tell. So you know, the, I think that's the main thing. It's the goals at the top end, and they're, they're just struggling, and they're they're going to need to. He yeah, also well overperformed expected goals as well. If you want another indication of that. Oh, okay. I mean, I I don't really understand that xG. That's xG, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really get understand that. But yeah, even then, still, you know, that's that's the thing. Goals are so important. Obvious, it's an obvious thing to say, but they are, and um, they they've got Jermaine well, Defoe and Josh I've, King. To jump back in here uh, with a little more stats, not to get into a whole XG thing, which we could on a whole show. Um, but Bournemouth currently on pace for 27 points. Didn't really seem like anybody's blaming Eddie Howe, but without further additions in January, do we think they're a legitimate concern for the drop? Um, I mean, I have like half the teams in Premier League as at least you have to take into account as a possibility. I don't think they're favorites, but yeah, I guess it's a concern. Yeah, I mean, it is that once you're in that area, it, we know from historically it's it's really difficult to just come out. It's only it's only ten games though, so it's still quite narrow at the bottom. What they want to make sure is just not drift away too far too quickly because. 
you know, <clears throat> it is a difficult area to come out of, and we, we know that historically. So, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Crystal Palace, obviously, in mega trouble. Um, there are a lot of teams that could get pulled into that. Yeah, totally agree, Palace. Uh, indeed, in trouble, and hopefully we'll have Jay back on soon uh, to discuss what's what's going on there. Because another managerial change, probably not what would fix them at the moment. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk about uh, individual club topics in a second. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. Uh, I'll lead in with you, Joshi, talking about Manchester United. <clears throat> they beat some London team this weekend uh, because I didn't mm-hmm. think about scheduling uh, any better. But um, I, I wanted to talk to you specifically about how Mourinho is using the squad. The last two seasons, the teams that's made the fewest changes to their first 11 won the title in Leicester and Chelsea the last two years. This year, Manchester United, only three players have played every minute thus far of Premier League action. Do you think this is a positive in that Mourinho is getting a feel for the squad? Uh, he's optimizing individual matchups and matches, hence a lot of this rotation. Or do you think he's still trying to figure out what he really has this year? Um, I don't think he's... I think it's a number of factors. The, 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 the point about Leicester and, and Chelsea is that, you know, they weren't in European competition. They could operate with small squads and pretty much play the same, almost the same 11 week in, week out. And, and you know, you develop a rhythm and you develop that way of playing and you crack on. And that's what um, that's what's happened there. I don't think that if you looked back, that would stand up with the um, Premier League winners. But I'm not sure that it might do. But this season, he... I think he st- we started off the year with a pretty settled team. Okay, we had um, it was a, essentially a four-two-three-one, and and it looked good. And um, but then injuries have come into it. He's always gonna he, he's continuing to rotate that left side with with Rashford and Marshall. Um, and like I said, the injuries have come into it. So Pogba's injury has been a huge one. Since then, we have looked, we have changed it around quite a bit. Um, trying to find a formula that that helps maximise our threat going forward, and and I think 
two players that have suffered the most from his injury uh, from his injury are Mkhitaryan and Lukaku um, for various reasons. So I don't I don't think it's a case of he doesn't know what his best team is or or his core group of players are. I think it's a case of look he's we've got a fair number of injuries to the to the squad um, and. This limits options. Uh, you know, I'm someone, for example, I'd love to see Marshall, Rashford, and Lukaku start games together. But the problem with that is then you just don't have anyone coming from the bench or an option from the bench to replace someone up top. You don't have that really attacking, like not not a super sub, but you know, someone who could come on and imp- impact the game could almost Lingard immediately. So, I th- uh Potentially, I don't. I mean, Lingard's one of those where he works hard and he, you know he he'll get into good positions and sometimes produces a bit of quality. But ultimately, I, I wouldn't. It's, it's not. I wouldn't rely on him as much as I would be would rely on the likes of Rashford or Martial if they were on the bench. Or when Ibrahimovic comes back, then he's an option at, on off the bench as well. A different, completely different type of option to what we have. So that again provides. Um, a bit of variability to the side. And, and also Fellaini being injured. Look, I'm not a huge fan of Fellaini, but I can't deny that this season he's been excellent. And last season he put towards the end of the year, uh, season he put in some excellent performances. So I think that he's a very specific type of weapon in Jose Mourinho's armory. And, and I think he likes that. He likes this, the ability to change things up, play different ways, um, depending on who we're going to go up against. So I think all of that, that this this variability in the way or the changing up of the team is because in certain places we first of all don't have a settled player who's taken on that. So at left back we've had a daily blint, Ashley Young, uh, who Ashley Young has done excellently, but he's not actually naturally a left back and he's thirty two years old or or maybe older actually. And so he's not a long term option. So that's not really a settled position, I don't think. Uh, and again, left wing with Rashford and Martial, they both they have done excellently this year. But again, it's been off the bench where they've both had impacts mainly. So we're trying to find that settled piece down there. And and again, because of the midfield injuries, there's lots going on there. So it's it's that's why I think you've seen a lot of chopping and changing because of the injuries to Pogba and Fellaini and Carrick. And we have Rojo missing, so he's not necessarily that sort of left back option. Although I don't think he's great there. Um, you know, obviously Ibrahimovic is injured and Carrick's injured, so that doesn't provide that <clears throat> that midfield option again. So it's we're stuck with what we have, and he's having to navigate that. So I think that answers your question in terms of why he might be chopping and changing it. So I'm not worried from that perspective. At the beginning of the season, it was pretty much a settled lineup, aside from a couple of positions. So left back and left uh, forward is the area where we were changing it up the most. And but then since the injuries have started to impact the squad, it's forced um, Mourinho to change it around quite a bit. Mm. Uh, I noticed in your left back list you did not include uh, Luke Shaw, who has currently come out with another batch of quotes about wanting to leave, and specifically mentioning mm. Mauricio Pochettino again the same week that Pochettino has a book that talks about his relationship with Luke Shaw. Uh, a, do you think that Luke Shaw will leave either January or in the summer? And B, do you think it would be realistic to think he could move to? you know, maybe not a quote-unquote uh, traditional rival, but to a club like Tottenham? The problem I have with Luke Shaw is not his talent or his ability, but throughout his 
career he's always there's always been a question mark over his not his not necessarily like his attitude because i'm not saying he's a troublemaker but he doesn't there's always been a question mark over whether he puts in that extra shift commitment that extra effort commitment maybe yeah and I think um, that summer where he hired a fitness coach, he hired and he, and he spent the summer getting really into good shape, and and he started the seasoning season in in exceptional form. I think that showed a sort of may, maybe a change in that mentality where he's going, okay, well I'm training with the club, but I also need to be training myself and committed to this to 100% or even more than <clears throat> more than what other other players are doing. But then he got that horrific in- injury, and I think that's massively impacted his um, his sort of menta- his mentality. So when you look at players and and what mental strength means, it just it doesn't just mean um, like you know determination and always practicing. It's also that sort of when you come back that recovery time, coming back from injury, especially a major one like that. How do you cope with that? So it's not. It's, I'm not saying he's unfit. I'm just saying that he's. I, I do worry about his mentality within a club like Manchester United because the expectation is so massive. You're surrounded by all these um, reminders of how, you know, the success and all that kind of stuff. And some players just do not, don't, can't adapt to that sort of size of club. Um, you know, so with Ben Foster, when he came, he was he, he seemed like a really good player. And then it just all seemed to sort of crumble around him. Diego Forlan has had that issue. Zaha strikes um, recently. Yeah, exactly. So there's so uh, there's a reason why play, um, every single manager he's played under has said has pretty much always said it's almost identical quotes really. Like, yes, he's got the talent, he's got the ability, he can he can really play, but that we have question marks over his mentality and ability to apply his um, intellect to the game and not just on the pitch in in competitive action, but also in in training, that's been a theme throughout his career. I mean, if you look it up, England players, England managers have said it. His uh, Southampton managers have said it, or coaches, and and every you know, uh, and and Louis Van Gaal and Jose Mourinho, they've both said it. So it's not a case of he's being victimised. It's a case of trying to kick him out of this, um, whatever the issue is. And and when you when you see that it's a running theme, it is worrying. So for me, I think that there's a huge possibility that he's going to leave. Um, maybe even in January because he's not really getting the minutes, so he's not really pushing people to sort of get them dropped. I, I would love for him to fulfil his potential from a talent perspective, but if he's not going to have the right um, sort of application, then he's never going to do it. Um, whether he'll go to Tottenham, I don't know because uh, Pochettino again. I don't know. Does he want to do that? Um, we'll see. He he can play at that at the top level, I think, from a talent perspective, but I don't know whether he'd be able to. Maybe Tottenham. Might be a good club. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but when you look at what's being coming out, I think he's probably he needs somewhere. He needs to go somewhere to reboot things and then settle back into playing first, and then working out playing at the highest level because it, there's you can't carry people in your team uh, when you're trying to challenge for the title. And Tottenham won't want to carry players hmm. um, and things, and, and no club wants to do that. So, you know, I think. He, I think a, a, a slight step down uh, and then he could re-sort of build his confidence um, and then look for that move again. Interesting stuff for sure. Uh, Dan, at Arsenal, um, we've seen Nacho Monreal kind of 
reclassified as a center back this season, much as we saw with Azpilicueta at Chelsea last season. Uh, I'm curious as to, A, how he's played. I do know he's scored his first two goals in the Premier League, um, but how he's played defensively, and if his presence as a center back is more because of a lack of center backs or to be able to fit both him and Kolasinac, who's started fairly well on the pitch at the same time. Um, him moving to center back is more him being able to get into the team at all. Uh, he doesn't have the legs to play as a wing back. Uh, he's just he's never been a fast guy, and now he's over thirty. He just doesn't have a, a legs to do it. Um, he played there a few times last season, and it was pretty apparent. He just that's not a long term position for him. Um, he's played center back before, actually, in uh, 2014-2015 when we had an injury crisis at center back and right back. He had to move there uh, next to Permutasacker. He had a reasonably decent time, though he had a few moments where he just, the fact that he was short kind of came back to bite him. I think one specific one was this 2-1 Swansea loss from Baptini Gomes rose to uh, put Swansea 2-1 up late on. I think it was over Monreal. He definitely played in that game. Just can't remember whether it was him he was jumped over. But um, I thought he was pretty good there. The first belt, now he's in a back three, and he's even better because he has more cover. Um, he doesn't have to deal with as many aerial duels. Uh, that are threats of being shots and goals. Um, he's been fantastic. He's one of the more consistent players in the side. Um, it's hard to remember the last time he's had a bad game. I definitely can't remember his last two bad games. Um, and as far as him and Kolasinac, um, he, yeah, like I said, he's not going to get in the side left wing back regardless of... I mean, I guess if Kolasinac got hurt, he'd have to, but that's more of necessity than preference because he doesn't have the legs for it anymore um Kalasnach is very good as we have seen so far he scored a goal and assisted the other yesterday um is very good at, very good defensively he's just very difficult to get around um and he knows how to defend um going forward he's very good at getting forward he's tough to move off the ball just because he is so big and his final product is very good uh he has a lot of cutbacks as opposed to floated crosses which i much prefer, um, and it's seen reasonable dividends so far, clearly. Um, but yeah, uh, Monreal specifically, he's either playing center back or he's not playing at all unless, you know, there's an injury crisis. Um, so I wouldn't say it was as much about getting them both in the side as much as Monreal inside at all, but he's probably our second best center back anyway. So yeah, him being in there is a good thing. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. Uh, also, it seems like you now have Alexis Anotzel back uh, in the team. Uh, Wenger coming out this week saying he thinks you have a, a solid chance of being able to keep both of them. Is that felt within the fan base, or is there still concern that one or, or both of them could leave in the summer? There is utter despair that both of them will leave. No one believes that at all. <laughs> at least from everyone I've seen. Just is utter despair. We're, none of us are particularly optimistic about either of the situations um yeah uh, yeah i don't think i personally i do not know anyone who thinks we have a decent shot at keeping both um much less one actually really fortuitous to have both of you on the show today because rumors abound that one of otzel's preferred destinations is manchester united is Mm -hmm. that something that would interest you joshi um Oh well, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I don't. The problem is we've got uh, well, we've got a lot of players in that number ten position, so it's not a case of yeah, okay, Özil. I think you know, I think he's a really good player, but he, there are there are times when he's he's sort of 
goes missing. Um, but I guess that's a, you could say that for loads. Uh, but with Mata and Mkhitaryan and then behind them Lingard and then you've got Andres Pereira, that sort of te- attacking mid number 10, we've got loads of options there, right? So even though he's better than all of them, we have other areas that are potentially better than all of them if he plays to his maximum ability. Um, we have other areas that I would see us prioritising um, over that. So, but but when you put it at you know at face value, it's uh, signing him on a free is pretty much no risk. And what it, we we can pay people their wages, whatever we're not. It doesn't wages, seem to be an issue. The wages yeah. would be absolutely ridiculous. Dan, how would Arsenal yeah, but, fans view yeah. that? Would would he leave with blessings, or would it be kind of vitriolic? Uh. God knows. Do we have any more leftover vitriol after all the stuff we spew at Finger? I don't really know. Um, is there still a market share there for more vitriol? I, I'm not sure friends? there is. We might be out of vitriol. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It would be depressing. That's all I know. Um, I Again, I am in one part of the fan base. I'm sure there are other parts of the fan base that like him significantly less than the people I interact with, but he seems in relatively good graces and better than Alexis, just or at least more liked. Um, but now people are kind of I'm not sure people are turning on him, but people are kind of wary, like, okay, yeah, this might happen and this would suck. Uh, I don't know. Life is an Arsenal fan's kinda of depressing right now. So we have many things to spit vitriol and sadness at. <laughs> uh, do either of you have a question about Tottenham? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, obviously, we, we played each other yesterday. Mm. And a lot has been made about, um, obviously, Jose Mourinho's away record in, in, against the top teams. Um, and, you know, a lot has been said about Pochettino and the, what he's done at the Spurs side. And, and rightly so, he's done really well. But that away record he has against the bigger sides in the league... You know, I mean, that's a that's a major issue. And why do you think that is? What what's what's going on with it? I, I I mean, I kind of have a theory as to why that is for Jose Mourinho, but I don't quite get it for Pochettino because of the way his teams play, you'd have thought that have picked up at least one win in recent times. But I don't think they've got a very good record away from home. Yeah, we don't. Um, I think it's one win against the top six uh, away in like his last fifteen or so matches. Um, obviously. Yeah. Uh, down point for Pochettino. I think one of the promising things for him is that every year we seem to improve in a specific area, and I'm sure that <laughs> that stat has gotten around uh, at, at the Spurs training ground and will be addressed at some point. Um, up until this year, I think the easy answer was White Hart Lane. Going into last season, Poch was very vocal about us making sure that we had a proper send-off for White Hart Lane. Uh, didn't end up losing there the whole season. I, I think we were purposefully kind of, uh, well, I don't want to say expending more energy because that implies that we intentionally didn't try as hard to win. But I think there was that extra motivation, specifically White Hart Lane. But uh, I think that that's part of it. Uh, is and, and, you know, all the smaller pitch play style things uh, that I kind of uh, wasn't buying in on as much, I think have become a little bit more evident this year uh, with the, with the Wembley issues, and it's certainly a concern, right? Because we aren't particularly winning a lot of matches at Wembley, and if our away record against the big teams is poor, uh, then then you know we we never thought we were really going to win or or heavily challenge for the title this season. Um, but then then you know if you can't beat the top six away or at home, then that's when you have to start questioning uh, if we can really stay in the top four. I assume we'll be okay. 
because of how strong the defense is. And obviously the attack uh, is pretty prolific when uh, Kane is fit. I'm not going to get into the whole one-man team thing because saying that about any Premier League team is insane. Um, or but... any football team, really. It's not It's not a smart <laughs> statement. Yeah, my, my... I think it's hmm? any team's going to miss their best player. I mean, look, you look like I mentioned earlier. And you hadn't United... conceded in 20 hours at Old Trafford. Like, this wasn't like us struggling a... to score against West Brom. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that... Yeah, so no, I get that side of things. You know, any like I say, any team's going to miss their best player. Yeah, for sure. And and my reaction on Twitter when people started throwing that around was, uh, did Kane let Martial run free there? Do you think he would have helped in that scenario? Was that the issue? Um, but anyway, we 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 played a, a I think a fairly even game. You took your big chance, and we did not. So, uh, all all fair play to Manchester United. The the only uh, issue I had was the the amount of people that were saying, like, oh, Tottenham are horrible uh, in these kinds of matches, and then simultaneously saying what a big win it was. Not not even specifically Manchester United fans, but, like, people in the media. And I was just very confused how you could hold both of those thoughts at the same time. Either we're not very good, we're nothing without Harry Kane, so Manchester United's win is less impactful, or we're this title-challenging team from the last two seasons and beating us is a huge notch. Uh, is there a side of that that you particularly fall on, Joshi? Uh, no, well, I don't. I mean, from my perspective, I see it as a really good result because Spurs are a really good side. Um, but, you know, looking at it, obviously, in recent weeks with your result away against Real Madrid um, and just the team, Harry Kane obviously being in, in top form, there's been a lot of stuff in the, from what I've seen in the media, rightly praising Spurs and Pochettino. And then weirdly, you know, then you, when United, you know, you, you set, if you're going to play a big... A really good side you're going to set up in a way that doesn't leave you vulnerable to like Ericsson, Ali you know Son is a good player he's shown that last season and 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 uh, previously so you're going to have, try and contain that for you know you have to otherwise you're going to you're going to let in goals so mm-hmm. but you're seeing me other people like I don't know Steve McManaman and all these uh, who else was it uh, Ollie Holt on Twitter you know just saying oh that wasn't really a great win it wasn't a good performance and but actually, when you're playing a team like that, keeping it tight and getting that goal, I think it, it wasn't a great performance. That's true, but it, it wasn't as poor as, as as people will have been making out because you have to be tight at the back, and yeah. that's the thing. Spurs made the mistake, we capitalised, and, and that's what happened. We made one mistake. Deli Ali went mm-hmm. went in. Well, it wasn't really a mistake. It was actually a superb a ball in from Ericsson and Ali didn't put it away. So those are the fine margins in matches like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to be super cliche, but that's three points for Manchester United. And I, I'm not a huge believer in the uh, six-pointer theory of matches, but if you do, then this was one of those as well. So uh, while we, we can talk about the tactics and the importance of Kane's absence and stuff, end of the day, you picked up three points and are now uh, kind of the, the team closest to challenging City, really, this season. Yes. City do look good, though. Yeah, it's real scary. <laughs> All right, uh, now we're going to head into player watch. We're going to talk about, and, and we actually have touched on it already a little bit with rotation stuff, uh, but which players are currently in your starting 11 that may lose their spot uh, when, your, when your squad is fully fit? I realize, Josh, this is kind of a moving target for you, as you said, uh, with the rotation you already have. Uh, but you, it know, is. you still have Pogba to come back, which is obviously the big piece. Yeah, no, I think it, it, it is, it, well, it kind of is a moving target, but um, because we've got so many injuries, but actually, 
when you think when you really think about it, it's Ander Herrera. And you know, Paul Pogba is our best player when he plays. Uh, when he doesn't play, you see what he you know why he's such a good player when you know when he does play. He's, no, he's not banging in thirty yard goals every single match, but that's not his game. Um, he's not going to do that every single game. But when he's fit, he will come back straight back in, and Herrera will be dropped. Unfortunately, he's just not. I don't know. He's just not been the same player as last year. He's he's um, the, his distribution. He's just everything has been a little bit off. Um, so I think he, he's been one of our poor uh, poorer performances, uh, performers in our in our last few matches. So he will definitely be at risk. Even if um, Marouane Fellaini was, to, I think Pog was due to come back earlier, but uh, even if Fellaini was the one that was going to come back, I think he would be at risk against him as well. Um, and then I think when you th- when I when I think through the team, when we do get a midfielder back, then we uh, one of those two. I think uh, Mourinho will switch back to his, to a back four, and then you're seeing. I think Smalling will have an issue there, and just based purely on how poor he's been playing in the last three four matches, Mkhitaryan's probably at risk. But for some reason, Jose Mourinho is not changing that up. He's he's doing the opposite of last season, where he didn't want to play him, and then eventually got back in the side and this season he's playing really poorly and Mourinho is just sticking by him so but I think Herrera is the one that you can just say yeah I think he's really at risk and and even potentially he's going to drop down that pecking order quickly um if I don't know McTominay puts in some big performances if he does get the chance Mm. uh somebody that I didn't have in mind when uh put this on the schedule today but is occurring to me now is what what is Zlatan's role meant to be when he's back in fit? Because while it was big news at the time, I feel like people may have forgotten that you have re-signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and in theory, he should be uh, ready by January. Yeah, I think he's going to be. Um, it's going to be interesting because uh, he could play up top with um, with uh, Lukaku, but he'll just play a bit deeper. I think he did that role. Uh, for, uh, for PSG, he's done that role um, at times for Sweden as well. Um, so he drops a bit deeper, so he can hold up the ball. You know, use his strength, his vision to start um, playing balls around corners. And then you've got the pace of like Marshall on one side, maybe Mkhitaryan on that right side, or even Rashford and on either side Lingard as well. I think that might be a way to go. The other thing, like I mentioned earlier, he could be that option from the bench, a different option from the bench, so he could um, allow. Jose Mourinho to play that the Marshall and Rashford together because he doesn't he knows he's got something coming from, from the bench and um, you know he's a completely different player to what we have at the moment so in certain matches he might just play up top um, on his own or to allow Lukaku to have a rest because even Lukaku uh, it, he's looking a little bit off the pace you know sometimes no matter how good a player you are you just need a couple of games from the bench or um, just a little bit of a rest, and he's played. I don't. I don't even think he's been subbed off. I don't remember him being subbed off at any no, match. He's played, he's played every minute in the Premier League this season. So you know. So I think that he will need a rest at some point. Um, so all of those things come into play with with Zlatan, and he's not. He's someone who he will know whether or not he's good enough to come in and contribute at this this type of club. We want to be challenging for titles and things like that. So if he's not. If he's not on it, he doesn't think he can do it. He's also the kind of person who will be like, all right, fair enough, I'm going to call it. But he just gives another option. And last season, he proved he's got that ability to get goals, uh, hold up the ball and things like that. So he's got, there's lots we can do with that, I think. 
there's not going to be one set role like mm. super sub off the bench or anything like that. He could, Jose will use him wisely. Interesting. Uh, Dan, Arsenal are shockingly healthy right now. Uh, but is is there anybody that uh, could be break their way back into this team? Uh, Mustafi would come back in for Murtisacker once he's fit. Um, if anyone has a magic wand and wants to fix Santi Cazorla, I guess he would he would start. I don't know how that would change the team because no one's thinking about it because he is not going to come back. But in theory, that would change the oh, team. Oh, is he not meant to come back this um, season at all? God knows. I, <laughs> I mean, last I heard, he will come back in April. But April... Yeah, but then kind of what's the point of that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, he's not. No one is expecting him to come back. I'm not expecting him to come and play at all this season. It's maybe a game here in May. That's it. Um, yeah, that's really it. Welbeck has actually played well when he's played this season, but I also wouldn't put him in, in for any of Lacazette, Ozil, or Alexis. So, sorry, Welbs. Um, a side thing just because uh, we, we have you on and I may as well ask you, I was having a thought this weekend about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and I don't think a match I've ever seen him in. I've been particularly impressed by him. Uh, what have you made of his slow start at Liverpool? Yeah, he's not good. Uh, he's, he's, um, he's not that good. Like, right, I mean, there was... The guy I forget which, deal was hilarious. I forget which analyst his it was, but they said, right. what is Alex, Oxlade-Chamberlain good at? He's good at dribbling. That is it. Yeah. He's a very, very, very... Very good dribbler, but he doesn't really do a whole but lot. What's else. the result? Um, he also has a, he also has a passing range, a good range of passing. But again, his decision making is awful. Um, his end product has never been that great. Last season was his best end product season end product wise ever, and uh, slightly unfair on him because he did score a bunch of goals in I say a bunch for him a bunch of goals in non Premier League competitions. But currently, Nacho Monreal has as many goals this season as Alex Chamberlain has ever registered in the Premier League season. There's a stat for you. <laughs> yeah, he's not. I don't know. He's to me, he's one of those players where a scout looks at him and says, "There's something there. You can work with that." But then you watch him play for enough years, and you're like, "Oh, maybe not." Um, if I was going to play him anywhere, I'd probably be at right wing. He should have gone to Chelsea. Actually, that's what he should have done. He should have gone to Chelsea. Um, I think that would have been a much better place for him to succeed. But um, he wants to play as central midfield and. So did James I, I Milner guess, when he went to Liverpool? I, I oh. guess for some reason he thought he could, but he clearly can't because he's not getting in this year when they have injuries. He's not going to get in next year when they have Nabi Keita. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't really know. Uh, things aren't looking good for Ox. I don't think they'll get better. Um, yeah. We did very well to get £40 million pounds out of that because we shouldn't have. Yeah, I very oh, much. That was amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, an amazing deal for Arsenal. I just, I've, I've never rated him. Me either. He's just never improved. How long has he been at the club? At, well, how long was he at Arsenal? He joined in September, in September, a summer of 2011. Yeah, so that's a long time, and he's just never yeah. improved. It's a bit like Theo Walcott, to be honest. He's, who's always well, Theo actually like does something good. Theo scores goals. Yeah, I mean, he contributes to goals. Ox doesn't. That's the thing. But ever, that's been a bit a comparison, which I mean, it's easy. Young yeah, yeah, but Southampton, think, but like at least Theo does stuff and has done stuff. It was doing stuff by this age. Ox doesn't do anything. Yeah, I mean that's my point though. Theo Walcott, even when he first came, would do stuff every now and then and get the yeah. goal or get an assist or get. You know, remember yeah. a hat trick against for England and stuff like that. And he's always done that throughout his career, but he's never actually really 
improved or gone on to become that sort of player you thought he might become you know when he first arrived at Arsenal it was oh he he could learn and and develop into the next Thierry Henry but obviously not so I mean that was always likely but uh Oxlade-Chamberlain is is just baffling isn't it yeah yeah I mean he's uh, is he fun I don't even know if he's fun um he's just he's just a master of no trades yeah, he's he's a really good dribbler, and that's about it. Yeah, and, and has positional flexibility. That's what the Liverpool fans were yeah. talking about, is how they could play him in four different positions, but I don't think he plays any of them particularly well. Uh, but that'll because, be the end of this and, and, weird Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain bashing segment. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no sorry, Liverpool Alex. Fans you're, you're really nice. I do like you as a person, but not I think, as a footballer. I, I think he has it's, pretty good hair. Um, but yeah. <laughs> not a good beard though he had a beard for a while it was really bad that does um, not sound good um, <laughs> uh, coming to Tottenham now um, concerning reports this week that Wanyama could potentially be out for the season which would obviously be devastating for us but also as a Spurs fan not that surprising basically every year we have to sacrifice somebody for a, a whole season uh, for whatever success we garner throughout it um, it was obviously Lamella so last season devil rituals. hmm so it is devil rituals. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, super lasagna. Um, but uh, if Wanyama came back, I think Dyer is the person that would drop out. Although uh, I, I do think Dyer had a very good match against United, obviously at fault for the goal, but I think it had a pretty good performance uh, aside from that. Um, but it, Pochettino addressed it in his book that one of the biggest struggles he has is... Uh, convincing Dyer that he's a center back ever since Dyer started playing in central midfield for England and to be fair Pochettino is the one that started this uh, of him playing in the midfield that's really where he views his long-term potential but weirdly <laughs> kind of tying back into the Oxlade chamber thing uh, Dyer's greatest strength is that he's pretty good at both defensive midfield and at center back um, I think his skills make him a better center back than defensive midfielder I think his pace lets him down at times uh, when trying to close down passing lanes in midfield but um, I think he's a, an excellent option off the bench, as, as we've heard Joshi say so much today. I think Dyer is a defensive option coming off the bench when we have a lead would be great, but we don't really do that under Poch. But I'm not sure if we don't do that so we don't have somebody in that role or if we don't have somebody in that role because we don't really do that, kind of in a chicken-egg scenario. Um, but I think Dyer would fall out. Uh, Lamella is meant to be back um, in the next two weeks. He's He's been in training for almost a month now after being out for a year. Uh, you have to imagine we fit him in. I mean, his last full season for Tottenham uh, two years ago, he was incredible. He was largely one of the reasons we were in the title chase uh, as long as we were. Uh, obviously, the Rabona sticks in people's minds. Uh, but I think a lot of people have forgotten just how good Lamella was when he came to us in the first place, then struggled for us, obviously. Um, but then the, the potential that he was showing in Italy was just insane, and we were finally seeing that before the injury actually kind of like the Luke Shaw thing you were talking about Joshi where he was like finally cool. turning the corner and then suffered the injury um, but you have to figure he he gets back into the 11 somewhat regularly uh, we are ro- rotating a lot this season like United um, and so I don't know if that would happen to fall in the Premier League or more uh, in the Champions League I think his style suits a little bit better for the Champions League with more open matches uh, wouldn't have to do as much of the grit work although he's he's willing to do it I think it pulls him out of the attacking mindset uh, which is really something we need him to do. Um, but yeah, if if that happened, I mean, Son, Son and Dyer are the two people in our team that are constantly on the edge of not being in the 11. Uh, and we'll we'll see how they 
carry on once we have replacements. All right, and we will wrap up with uh, match previews here. Joshi Manchester United are uh, going to be playing in the Champions League this week, obviously. Uh, this week you're going to be hosting Portuguese side Benfica. What do you think we'll see from uh, Jose and, and the lads this this uh, week? Um, well, we've got a big Chelsea game uh, at the weekend, so he may, again, uh, use this to bring Lindelof back into the side. Um, Lingard might start as well, uh, get some game time. I think you'll see the core players pretty much remain the same because we're, we're, we're you know, we don't have the option to rotate really in midfield. Um, if he's going to be brave, he might bring McTominay in. I'm not sure though whether he will do that. I don't know that he's that brave because we've got three wins out of three. Um, get this one done, we're, we're pretty much good to go. So um, yeah, I think it will be a fairly solid side, and a, a couple of players will come in. Like well, like the two I've mentioned, um, but yeah, I think it'll be pretty. It'll, it'll be what we've what we're what we've sort of seen in the last few weeks. Where we're pretty solid. I don't think there'll be any there'll be any swashbuckling stuff going forward, and we'll get some sort of a, a, a solid result that will that will be that we will all be fine with. And um, and uh, yeah, and then we'll just quickly move on to the Chelsea game. Uh, yeah, Tottenham play the Spanish team. Um, Real uh, Real Madrid. Um, Obviously, uh, the huge result against Madrid was the draw at the Bernabeu. I think that was always the goal. Having beaten Dortmund in the first match of our group, all we really needed was a point against Madrid uh, to really set ourselves apart in that second slot in our group. Uh, And we have done that. So I I don't think we're putting too much weight on this uh, Madrid match. Although I think there's more now having lost consecutively to West Ham and Manchester United because you don't want to get that third loss that kind of clearly marks a, a trajectory, whether it be short-term or long-term. Um, Della Ali can finally play. I think he will do. Uh, it sounds like Kane might might not make fitness for this one, um, which means we could do Sun up front. Uh, United did very well to counteract Sun as a forward. Uh, he kind of like Firmino did at the start of the last season, um, is really good at kind of dragging defenders around. And when we have that Sun Erickson Ali trio, it's very hard to tell where the attack is meant to come from. And so if you get pulled out of position, one of them is going to find space. We we really hit City hard like that last season when Kane was out, even though we're a one-man team and it's only Kane and we beat them 2-0 without him last year. But that you know what? That's to the side. <laughs> um, uh, but United did a good job of staying home. Uh, so when Sun was drifting out left, nobody was really tracking him there. Um, but we could we could do Sun against Real Madrid. I think we'll probably go Lorente. I think one of the reasons he played against them last time is his familiarity. Um, but, you know, we'll see. He obviously knows all of those uh, Spanish defenders they've got over there from his time with the national team. Um, so I would expect that. I don't think we're really going to come out to attack much. I think we'll do like we did with Dortmund and Liverpool, of kind of sitting a little bit deeper, allowing them possession, but kind of meaningless possession. Um, near the halfway line, never really getting too far forward. Obviously, they're Real Madrid. They'll get their chances. Um, but I think we'll obviously try to minimize that. Uh, and if Hugo has the kind of day he did the last time, we could be in with a shout for another point. I'm not expecting a win. I'm not even expecting a point here, especially after they lost to Girona today. I think they'll uh, have a little extra fire in their belly, which is not something we want to see twice in a row after uh, United after their loss to um, Huddersfield. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see. It's another fun night uh, as a Tottenham fan getting to see Real Madrid. No bail uh, is a little bit of a bummer because that would have been interesting to see. But 
I'll be fine just watching Winksy boss Luka Modric in the midfield again. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, coming to you now. Uh, You're going to be playing Red Star Belgrade Belgrade, whichever you prefer. Um, What do you think we'll see from them? Um, A football match. Um, Honestly, the biggest concern for me right now is the... uh, It has nothing to do with the pitch. It has to do with the stewards get or not the stewards really the ticketing system getting their stuff together because the same thing happens with cologne i mean it's one thing for friendly german fans it's another thing to have red star fans kind of invading the stadium that could uh, genuinely not end well they don't exactly have the best history of that and honestly we've won three out of three we're going to qualify we're probably going to qualify top this match doesn't mean that much we're going to play a terrible side we might win we might not it's I mean, I haven't going into all of the matches. I've been like, wow, that side's really bad, and we still win. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really that concerned about what's on the pitch. I'm genuinely more concerned. Like, don't let anyone die. Um, so, so, like a fully rotated eleven, you think? Or oh yeah, will there be yeah, some big guys that come out? Um, no, I mean, no way. I'm not sure. Is anyone going to start? That normally starts. Um, I don't think so. Okay. I, I'm sure Lacazette won't. Ozil won't, Alexis won't, Bellerin won't, Kalasnets definitely won't. He picked up a hit thing, um, which shouldn't be too big of a deal, but they're definitely not going to run in the Europa League because of it. Um, he would, he probably wouldn't have anyway, but even more so now. Ramsey won't, Jaka won't, um, Koscielny won't, Monreal won't, Czech won't. The only maybe is Murtisacker. Mm. He's the only one I could see playing. We haven't played anyone in the Europa League. Finger does not <laughs> respect it, apparently. Um, I still won every game, so I guess it's fine. Fair enough. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for us today. So if you'd like to tell the folks where they could reach you or any projects you're working on, now's a good time. Cool. Thank you for <clears throat> thanks for having me on again. I've been uh, Doc Joshi, uh, at Doc underscore Joshi on Twitter. Um, I do some writing work for various websites, and you can find me on podcasts and other YouTube channels. Sorry, rather other podcasts and YouTube channels. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. Thanks for having me on. And you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my fantasy writings over at goal.com and also host the FPL Roundtable, which is on this very channel, as well as shows for fan tracks and for VIPbet.com. So check those out if you are interested in the fantasy half of football. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 